Hi, friends. Welcome to the Rock Your Joy podcast. I'm your host, Anya Rock, a woman, artist, entrepreneur, mom, and high-performance coach. I'm working on becoming the best version of myself and inspiring others to do the same. This is my invitation to you to be part of the collective shifting of consciousness. Let's choose love. Let's choose joy. And let's rock your joy one day at a time. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Rock Your Joy podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Nicole Byers, who is a neuropsychologist, speaker, host of the Bold Life podcast, and CEO of Rocky Mountain Neurosciences in Calgary, Canada. Dr. Nicole has a PhD in clinical psychology from the University of Saskatchewan, is an adjunct research assistant professor with the University of Calgary, and has published articles in professional journals on the topics of brain health and neuroscience. She's an ambitious overachiever herself, a self-described neuroscience nerd, and mom to one very opinionated preschooler who keeps her on her toes. Nicole also helps folks overcome the mental habits that are keeping them stuck in self-doubt, overwhelm, and stress, so they can have the confidence to achieve success. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. It's wonderful to be here. So having heard and talked, I just gave a little bit about your background and your incredible credentials. We didn't talk about that we're Canadian. I'm also Canadian, so hooray. Yay. Love finding my people all over the world. But now give us the version that you share in a more intimate setting. Like, who are you? What's your mission? And how did it come to be this way? Yeah, mine's a a bit of a longer story that had some meandering and not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life, which I think is common for a lot of us. But I went into university many, many years ago, didn't really know what I wanted to do, happened by chance really to register for this class called Introduction to Neuropsychology, never having heard of this before, having any idea what it was. And I had a fantastic professor who really sparked my interest in understanding how our brains work, why we do the things that we do, and what leads us to really be successful in all areas of our life. And she would tell these stories every week about really the ways that things can go wrong in our brain and how our brains really work and can impact our behavior. So I followed up, I pestered her for a really long time, convinced her to let me work in her lab. I went to graduate school, graduated, worked in a hospital for a number of years, a lot of really great experiences, learning on a neuroscience team. And what kind of got me transitioning to my current work was that I was having a lot of folks come into my office in the hospital and nothing was wrong with their brains specifically, but they were telling me these stories about how they're so forgetful. They had put their phone in the fridge five times this week and they couldn't keep track of anything and they were feeling so overwhelmed. And it got me doing a lot of work in really understanding more that brain body connection and how some of our our habits and these patterns that we get into, like being really overextended, taking on way too much can impact not only our minds, but also our bodies and our physical health. So you talk about that a lot about the mind body connection, which is ironic being someone who's so studied the mind so intimately and where, so when they have these roadblocks, like what, what are those connections that you help them to work through? Yeah. A lot of what I find is that we have this pattern in our lives. A lot of us right now where 
we get into this, I know you talked about this too, this kind of like go, go, go hustle type culture where we feel like we need to be busy all of the time. And we don't spend a lot of time really reflecting on what is that actually doing to us as humans, as a whole person. And so we get into these habits of, you know, I need to be busy all the time. I need to be doing all this stuff all the time. And really what this does is it it drains our resources. Our brains only have so many resources. And so it's not uncommon for us to get to the point where your brain kind of throws up a white flag and says, you know, enough is enough. I actually can't manage this anymore. And where that shows up is physical health symptoms. We're struggling with headaches and tension and stress and pain in our bodies and stomach problems and all of these different physical signs that our bodies and our brains are really at their limit and they're at what they can handle. So a lot of my work is working with folks to recognize one, that they're at this place of really burnout, right? That's what it comes down to is we've gotten to this point where we can't do anymore. How do we then go back from this and start recognizing when are the signs that I'm getting to this point? How can I make some changes in my day to avoid getting to this point where I totally burn out? Mm -hmm. And so for people that might not be at the burnout level yet, what are some of those early signs? I mean, you mentioned headaches and you know, tension. And it's so interesting how we compartmentalize, right? We would never think like, oh, my stomach cramps or my, you know, gut issues are really because I'm so stressed or I have so much on my plate. How do we know when the body is waving the white flag? Yeah, yeah, that's a really great question. And a lot of those early signs are just what you described. Stomach's not as settled as it usually is. You know, you haven't made any changes in your diet really, but you're finding that it's harder to handle foods that you've been always eating. You're getting more in digestion. Your stomach feels like it's in knots all the time. Uh, Another place that we tend to really hold this stress is in our shoulders. So if you notice that, you know, your shoulders are slowly starting to creep up to your ears all the time, starting to get, yeah, some headaches or feeling like things are really stiff, that can be another sign of that stress on our bodies. Even hips are another place, especially as women, we hold a lot of tension in our hips, a lot of stress through our hips and our our thighs. So noticing that we're uncomfortable sitting, we're really restless, we're really irritable or cranky. Those are often some early signs that our brain's running low on those resources. And then what do you recommend? Like I can imagine myself if I were to walk in and you said like, okay, your body is saying it's too much. Your brain is on overload. What are some of the tools you give people to start to unpack that? Like, how do you even begin if everything in our life is, you know, working in all the ways and we kind of have these things set up? Where do you start? Yeah, that's a great question. And often what I recommend is starting with getting a clear sense of what are you actually doing in your day? Because so often we just go through our days on autopilot, right? We don't even realize how much we're taking on. I remember this one time I was sitting with this client and she was telling me, you know, I don't really feel that stressed. I don't feel that overwhelmed. And then she's walking me through her day and she is, you know, getting up every morning and she has three kids that she's getting ready and she's getting them out the door. And then she goes to this amazing job where she works in in a service type position, in a caregiver position. So she's helping people all day and she loves it. She's helping families, but they're really understaffed and she's working like 10 hour days and she doesn't leave her desk ever. And she has her phone ringing while she's answering emails. And then she comes home and she drives her kids to 400 appointments. And then she's hanging out with her husband. And while they're hanging out and relaxing, she's checking her emails and responding to all this stuff. And I am exhausted listening to her describe her day. And I think we often get into that pattern of just not really realizing how extended 
we are and how much we're trying to cram in and how we're not really taking that time to fuel our body and our brain in the ways we need. So taking some time, even something as simple as having a piece of paper next to you all day and writing down actually everything that you do, and then taking a few minutes at the end of the day to say, oh my goodness, look at all those things that I'm trying to cram into my day. No wonder I'm starting to feel overworked and stressed out. And do you teach people how to say no <laughs> to yes. some of those things? Yes, that is a great question. That's a tough one, right? Especially, I find, especially for women is that we have this tendency to want to say yes to everything. And that's really admirable. And it often comes from this place of wanting to help others is I want to help. I want to make lives easier for people. And so I say yes. And often at a, a deeper level, there's also some guilt there where we beat ourselves up. If I say no, that means I'm not a good enough mom if I'm not doing everything for my kids, or I'm not a good enough employee if I say no to this extra project or whatever it is. And we feel really bad in ourselves, which really just drains more of our brain resources, right? Because now in addition to doing all this extra work, I'm super stressed about it and being really hard on myself because I feel like I'm not doing a good enough job. The first strategy I recommend in learning to say no is getting really clear on where your priorities are. So what is my priority in my life right now? Because our priorities can change. I think we forget that too, is that everything doesn't have to be equal all of the time. Maybe in this season, family and connection is really important to you. So that's a priority. Maybe there's another season where your career is really important to you or your health is where your energy is really lying. And being clear on where priorities are right now makes it a lot easier, not easy, just easier to start saying no to some of those requests. Yeah. One of the things I talk about a lot on this show is the importance of being supported, right? And that we have this mythology about being kind of the everything to everyone. And, you know, I'm throwing on the cape and you probably can do it all, but you don't need to. And how important and how empowering it is and it's something I've learned and really had to work on learning to ask for the support I need. Because then, you know, it's not just saying no, but it's saying, I need help. Mm -hmm. I need support. I need someone else to take this off my plate. And I need my partner to step in and do 50% of the parenting or whatever it is that are big, you know, boulders moving because then we can really create space. That's a great point. And I think it's important to note too that that really does take some practice and that's okay. It's going to be hard at first to start doing that. It's going to be hard for you and it's going to be hard for everyone around us, right? Because my spouse is used to me doing all of these things and now they're having to take on some work and I'm having to let them take on that work, which is often another barrier that we get into as we tend to get into this micromanaging phase where like, oh, well, I'm going to let my husband clean the house, but I'm going to tell him how to do every single step, right? Which is not helpful for me. That's not freeing up my time. And it's also not helpful for him because he's not going to want to do it if I'm hovering over his shoulder telling him what to do. And so getting comfortable with things being done, even if they're not done exactly the way you would do them, is also an important part of delegating and learning to say no. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel about the importance of rest? And almost like when you were talking about the example of this woman, I was thinking like, where's the the white space like where is the emptiness where and maybe we've lost our ability to value that that just like i can just be i don't have to have a thing to do in this moment so 
whether that's rest or not, how do you work with people on that, on that idea of like, pause? (laughs) Yes, yes, that is a really good point. So important for our brains. Our brains can only do so much. Even at the minimum, your brain can only stay focused for about 60 to 90 minutes. So if you're sitting at your desk for five hours straight and you haven't even gotten up to use the washroom, you're not actually helping yourself because you're not being as efficient as you could be. Your brain isn't working the way it's supposed to work. You're more likely to make mistakes, find that your thinking is cloudy or you're not feeling as sharp. And so actually taking even those brief rest breaks throughout the day is so important. And I also love the idea of scheduling white space or blank space into your schedule and taking some time to rest and rejuvenate, whatever that feels like, which I also think is another habit that we really need to learn. Because just as you said, we're in this world where we're used to scheduling things back to back to back to back to back to back to back and never leaving any space. And it's not uncommon in my experience for clients to come up to me and say like, oh, I took the weekend off and I felt so lazy or like I should be doing something else or it felt really uncomfortable. I started to feel like my body was like not right, like I'm like antsy and fidgety and stressed. And it was really hard to get used to taking those breaks. So giving yourself some grace that that's also a skill to learn to rest and to learn to take breaks, especially if we haven't been doing it already. Yeah. When someone does have those kind of side effects of a new routine, right? We're we're not busy. How do you help them through that? Because there is must be a mind-body connection to that as well of like, does our brain just get addicted to kind of going all the time. And so we're really weaning off of that energy. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Absolutely. Is that this habit has become addicting in a way that it's become reinforcing for our brains, right? So your brain learns by behaviors that get some type of reward or something out of it. So when I am busy, some of the rewards that that gives my brain is I feel like I'm doing something all of the time, which feels good. There are social pressures to stay busy all this time. If I'm busy that I can tell my friends and my family that I'm busy and I don't feel like I'm being lazy by sitting down and doing nothing. And so it's really working against this tendency for your brain to want to stay busy and want to stay doing things all the time because it makes you feel good, right? Right now it feels bad to sit and rest. And so it's shifting that mindset and really the best way, which is the hard way, which is through practice, right? Is the more that we do this, the easier it will get for your brain, that even if you just start with five minutes of sitting calmly and resting and then slowly build that up, just like you build up your tolerance in the gym and your your muscles, you're going to build this rest muscle for your brain. And I talk a lot about sharing. I share with my listeners that you know mindfulness practice and meditation has been a huge tool for me as a mother, as a, you know, even someone who practiced yoga for years and taught yoga, I didn't have a regular meditation practice, mindfulness practice, but it's been life-changing for me. What are some of the tools that you use in your own life and in your practice to accelerate and kind of help um, this mind-body connection and also the quality of your day? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. I focus a lot on breathing as well. That's always my go-to first place to start. I think it is a simple strategy for us to be able to bring our focus into our breath. We all breathe all the time, so it's not something we need to add necessarily to our day, but bringing some focus even to how we are breathing. If someone has never done a practice like yoga or meditation or mindfulness, we're often not aware of how our breathing can impact our bodies. For example, if you've ever watched a baby 
sleep, you might notice that when they're laying down, their little tummies go up and down, right? They're breathing through their stomachs, really deep abdominal breaths. But as we get older, for a number of reasons, some of it is social pressure to keep our stomachs tight and flat all the time. Some of it is once we learn to talk, we start taking shallower breaths because it allows us to speak more easily, our breathing changes. And so instead of taking those deep breaths that our bodies and our brains need, we're designed to do, we start breathing really shallow through our chest. And so even some practices to train our bodies to take those deep breaths again can be a great place to start. Mm -hmm. And I think from my own experience, the breath really is a gateway into this kind of more subtle energy system in our body. And so we can actually unlock a lot of emotion by connecting with our breath, which I think we also kind of are like, oh, put that in a box and handle it later. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Our brain is like, it isn't safe to deal with all of these feelings. Yes. But through the breath is a gateway to do that. You talk a lot about the comfort zone. And I am obviously through the last two months, I've been sharing with my listeners this huge change in our life of moving to California and sharing both the struggles and the triumphs and, you know, all of the process and how valuable things like breathwork and meditation were. But for those people that are coming to you, do you see this resistance to the comfort zone, you know, to like making change? We, I think we sort of give it the lingo nowadays of like out of our comfort zone, but it's making change in our life feels really scary and undoable. Why is that from a you know, scientific perspective. And then with all of, you know, the other background that you have, how are you encouraging people to, to make changes in a healthy way? Yeah, that's a great question. And in terms of how your brain works, your brain wants to stay comfortable all the time. Where it is most comfortable is right where it is right now. Your brain does not like change at all because change is work for your brain. Your brain really wants to be as efficient and lazy when it comes down to it as possible. And so it's the laziest, it's the easiest for your brain if nothing ever changes in your life. Even if where you are right now doesn't feel that awesome, right? Even if you have goals or habits you want to change or new behaviors that you want to do, that change is hard for your brain because it forces your brain to get out of where it feels the most comfortable, the most relaxed. And part of that is because your brain is really designed to focus on the short term. So when we're thinking about change, your brain goes to immediately how hard this is going to be in the short term. I'm moving across the country. This is going to be so much work for me. I'm going to have to learn all these new things and I'm going to have to figure out how to drive in this new city and it's going to be a new time zone. And oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. It's a lot harder for your brain to focus on the long term. Yes, this is going to be overwhelming, but here are all these amazing things that could come out of it because your brain is really designed to focus on those immediate consequences. And so really what it is, is a process of training your brain to focus on those long-term benefits to get us to change any behavior of where could this be? Where could things be amazing? And also the long-term consequences of what we're doing right now. So if I don't change, if I don't you know, get out of my comfort zone, if I don't try something new, what could this look like for me in 5, 10, 15 years? And when we can train our brain to focus more on the long term, it's easier for us to take those short term losses and say, okay, this is going to be really hard, but I'm going to do it because here are all these things that I want down the road. 
That's amazing. And that's so much of, you know, what I focused on really. I didn't really think about what would happen if I didn't, although occasionally I would think like, well, if we stay, you know, it'll be 10 more years before we move. Is that really a a part of a daily practice that you have your clients do of, you know, thinking about possibilities or is that just, how do you implement that into their already, you know, busy life? Yeah, it, it can be something that is daily, especially if it's something that you're trying to work on right now. And if you're finding that resistance, even something as simple as I start to feel that resistance in my brain. My brain doesn't want to do this new thing, whatever that is. Okay, let's take a minute and write down why I actually want to make this change, why I actually want to do that. Because that moment, whether it's a couple minutes of writing things down, really forces your brain to shift that focus away from where it's going to want to go, the easy place of like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I don't want to do these things to that place of, okay, actually, here's where I want to go. So it's definitely something that can be daily. It's something that can be done when that resistance comes up as well. So you are a scientist, you know, working. You also have this precocious toddler that you mentioned. So wearing a lot of different hats yourself. And, you know, if someone were just to be peek into your life, would they see you, what would be the key things they'd pop out and say like, oh yes, she really is doing these things in her own daily practice that are helping you to maintain this strong mind-body connection? Yeah. So one thing that I do is this is something I'm always practicing and getting better at is starting to notice when my body is telling me that something is off. For me, I hold my stress as tension. That is just my go-to for my body. So if I start to feel like my jaw is clenched all the time or my shoulders are super tight or I'm starting to get like knots in my back, I have started paying attention to what that is saying for me. And for me, that's often sitting down, taking a minute, figuring out, okay, why am I feeling like my back is full of knots? What is going on? Where am I overextended? Because that's that's my go-to is to overextend myself and try and do too much. And even that simple act of becoming more aware often helps me create change. Even if I don't have a plan for how I'm going to do things differently, even just bringing that awareness to myself is enough for my brain to say, okay, I need to do something about this. So sometimes we don't even have to have the solution you're saying. We just have to have the awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. And then by being aware, we're going to change our behaviors because your brain now knows this is a pattern that we're getting into. Fascinating. I think it's so under, I mean, I'm sure you know this in in your, do you feel like it's understudied? Like it's just such a fascinating connection, right? This idea that we are so focused on on our mind and this part of our life, but then we have this whole other, we have our whole body and it's constantly feeding us information. And yet we're really not trained or taught, or there's like very little conversation about how these things are connected. Do you feel like there's so much more to learn? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and some of it is is the world we we live in right now, even the way that our medical system is divided. For example, if you've ever been in a hospital, the hospital I used to work in, there's like the physical medicine side, like neurology is over here in this wing and psychiatry and psychology are over here, sometimes even in a totally different building, right? And that's not actually how we used to understand medicine. You know, hundreds of years ago, a lot of the first neurologists 
were psychiatrists or vice versa. That's how these fields developed is really intertwined. We really understood how our brains and bodies were connected. And the way that medicine has specialized, which is great, specialized medicine is amazing, is that even at the health system level, we're starting to divide things. And so we see things as either brain or body, mind or body, but that's not how our bodies work. We are constantly connected. And I think we're moving towards this at a slow pace again, but definitely still something we need to work on as a society. Yeah. So I love that. Just remembering like breathing, being mindful. So in this field, busy mom, working with people all the time, we're on the Rock Your Joy podcast. And, you know, I really love to highlight stories of women who are finding joy in the most demanding seasons of life. So whether, you know, we look at uh, collectively, the community has been through this massive, you know, stress, but then each of us in our micro world, we have our own levels of stress and overwhelm. And how are you, as you've navigated both the macro and the micro, how are you finding joy in your daily life? Yeah, that's a great question. One thing that we recently did is I've shifted to working from home a little bit more, as a lot of people have over the past couple of years. And that was a hard transition for me because I was used to working in an office all of the time. And I didn't have a space that really energized me. So I was, you know, working at wherever really I could find space. Sometimes I shared my husband's desk, sometimes I was at the table, sometimes I was on the couch. And so what we did a few months ago is we did some small changes to one of our spare rooms and made it into a combination office for me and craft room for my daughter, which is also something that I've always wanted to have. I love crafts. We do so many crafts together. And it's a way for me to have a space, but also for us to have a space together when we're working from home. So she can sit next to me at the desk and do her things and I can do my things and I can still spend that time with my family while also doing the things that I need to get done. And even just having this space that uh, it makes me feel good when I go in there. There's her crafts everywhere. There are all my books that I, when I look at them, they fill me with joy and motivation. Even having this physical space to go into is a really great way that I've continued to find that joy in my life. That's beautiful. And I'm sure she loves to be close while you, you know. Oh, yes. She loves it. She <laughs> likes working with mommy. We have to go to work together. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure she mimics you as you're doing your things. I just love that age. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's such valuable information. I think sometimes we, you know, we can follow intuition, we can share our experience, but I love just having this really scientific perspective of, you know, validation that yes, what we feel is is really connected and really important. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And if folks want to find you and follow you or get more information, work with you, how can they do that? Best place is probably to head to my website. It's drnicolebyers.com. I have uh, links on there to my podcast as well. It's called The Bold Life and also some links to some free resources to help with things from how to manage stress and how to become more aware of this mind-body connection all the way to productivity and how to really set up our day for success so that we can reach our goals without feeling totally overwhelmed and stressed out all the time. Amazing. Well, thank you again. And I'll put all that in the show notes and uh, look forward to watching you and listening to you as well. Thank you. Thanks for being here. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. 
That way you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. Feeling inspired and want to share the joy? Leave a review so others can find the podcast more easily. Want to hang out more with me? You can find me on the interwebs at www.anyarock.com. That's A-I-N-E-R-O-C-K. And I'm also on Instagram at Anya underscore rock your joy. Till next time, rock your joy. This episode was produced by Dante32.